All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week we like to take a listener question. This week we didn't really get one that we were all that excited about, but if you have a question, come to our website, techgumbo.net. Go to the question of the week tab, send us a question. We'd love to send you a big, beautiful Tech Gumbo mug for free. So this week, we're just going to move on to the big story. The Mac has turned 40 years old. This is a fascinating birthday. We just talked about a Facebook turning 20. Well, the Mac is 40. And that's just so incredible that this the, the Macintosh computer has been around since 1984. I remember when the Macs first came out and how amazing it was. We had been using the IBM PCs and the IBM PC juniors at LSU. And one of my friends bought a Mac or his parents bought him a Mac, I should say. And it was so cool to see because it had a GUI interface. You could click on things. You didn't have to just use DOS prompts. And and it was fascinating. Oh, and also I think the ad is also really important that that the George Orwell 1984 that Apple was going to come in and the the person threw the hammer and they broke the screen and, you know, Apple was was the the shining ray of light for the individual and they were going to take down the the large corporation. That was an amazing moment to, to see that ad, which only ran one time and never ran again as a paid advertisement. It's been run millions of times on YouTube. But to see that ad taking down the IBM, and as a side note, it was just funny how long things were in IBM-compatible PCs, even though IBM wasn't making the PCs we were using until about Windows 95 and somewhere in the mid-90s, everything was still IBM-compatible. But to see the Mac go and grow and stick around for 40 years kind of a cool story and that they had the intel processor for a long time but actually you know in 2020 they switched to their own chips their arm chips which apple is trying to move everything in house they're trying to do their own product top to bottom and this is potentially bringing them some benefits the fact that they're in control of their supply chain means that they're less worried about disruptions, which we all know what happens whenever you have supply chain disruptions. A lot of these chips are what power the Apple Vision Pro, which we will talk about later in the segment. The Apple Macintosh computers have always been great 
hard work. When you control the hardware and you control all the software, you're making all of these things yourself. That's you've, you've got a system that you can only point one finger at if something goes wrong. So Apple has really made a great product. It's just that they've always charged three to four times more for that one product that you can get from anywhere else. I mean, I can go buy three Windows PCs for the price of one Mac. And right, but your Mac is going to love you three times more than the Windows PC will. And I, you know, it used to be that you had to have a Mac to do graphics, and and that that myth ended 15 years ago. You can do just as much on a on a Windows PC as you can on any Mac. But Macs are they're still cool. Macs are made for the individualist. I heard Steve Jobs many times on interviews say. Macs are made for the individualist. Windows are made for the collective. Yes, Windows are for a network. And no secret, I'm a Windows guy. I like Microsoft computers. But the Macs are still a good computer. They're a great computer. I get I'm I'm glad to see they're still around after 40 years. Yeah. And I, again, you know, we're going to talk about the Vision Pro later in this segment. I think it really is interesting to think about the Vision Pro as part of that lineage, that it is very much an Apple piece of hardware and that there's a lot of ways in which it is shaped by the fact that it did come from this company and echoes a lot of these design ideas in the way that the Facebook Quest 3 just doesn't have that same legacy attached to it. Oh, absolutely. When you go the Mac to the iPod to the iPhone to the iPad to now this the the Vision Pro, I mean, it's a straight linear step to get from from A to Z on 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 this, and so you can see where it makes sense every step along the way. This Vision Pro is gonna take quite a leap to get there, but it's still on on that that same trajectory. And actually, we were looking around at some of the reviews of the Vision Pro, and the reviews are in, and they're pretty interesting. So a lot of people have, you know, we, us not having the $3,500 to drop for one of them or the seven grand to drop for both of us to get one. We've read other people's reviews, listened to other people's reviews, and it seems like a lot of people are circling around the same general topics here. Yeah, they're all saying it's really good, but really not good yet. It's, it's a great First generation product is, I think, yeah. Wall Street Journal said all the characteristics of a first gen product. The idea, though, that you're inside these goggles, and while Apple is saying they're they're virtual reality and augmented reality, it's not a true augmented reality. You're not actually seeing through the device to the outside world. There's cameras looking at your eyes, which then project your eyes onto the screen for people outside to look at you. And so when they see your eyes, you kind of look bug-eyed a little bit. Yeah, I think that's definitely a great place to start is that Apple uses the phrase pass-through, and that's it's not quite true. It's, it is a virtual reality headset, which is desperately trying to pretend that it's not. Because also, that the same happens in reverse, that whenever you look at the inside of the device, you're looking at screens on the inside of the device, and there are cameras on the outside, which are uh, capturing the outside and rendering it on those screens. So it's definitely, they're fudging a little bit here, and they're doing a fantastic job, but there's just 
limitations to that? All of the reviews talk about, yes, it's $3,500 for the introductory level price. And then you really need the accessories. And you can't just go with the entry. Don't go with the bot base model. Get the, the one with more memory, faster processor. Well, okay, so now you're at four grand just for the headset. But then you're going to need the carrying case and you're going to need this. And, and now all of a sudden you're at five grand on this thing. So every one of the reviews are all saying, yeah, it's expensive. A lot of them are saying, and it's kind of heavy. So for some of the headsets, you'll have the goggles in the front and the batteries on the back. And so they kind of balance each other. But for the Vision Pro, the battery sits on a tether that's long enough to be down somewhere around your waist, which is just an interesting design choice that, you know, if you're going to move the battery off the headset and have it sit at my waist, the fact that the battery only is about two to two and a half hours and it's not even sitting on my head will make it bigger then or move other stuff down there and then have a cable coming up so that you you move some of the, the processors, you move some of the computations and you take that weight out of those goggles. It's just, it feels like they had to make compromises and some of these compromises you can get better in version two or version three. You can get better engineering. You know, you just, you've put it out there. But I, I think there's also some limitations which are just inherent to this type of product. Several of the reviews also talked about how it felt good to finally take this thing off their head to get back into the real world, to unplug from, from this, if you will, because it's very isolating to be inside this headset. You're in a bubble and you're not sharing a screen with other people you're only able to see what what this headset shows you and that's it was just very isolating multiple reviews use the word isolating the fact that no one else can see what you're seeing that you know even though whenever you're looking out it feels very natural to look out you could be tricked into thinking that you are just looking straight out someone looking at you isn't going to be able to make eye contact with you and so you know all of the work that you do it's you can't just show it to a coworker and say, hey, can you come see this? Or, oh, look, here's a funny video. Come look at my screen. That's pretty hard. Also, the interface can be tough. It's, it's intuitive to use, but it's not precise. And so if you think about whenever you're using a keyboard, you can just kind of let your fingers go and that you know exactly which finger your keys, which key your fingers on. And when you're using a mouse, you know exactly which button your fingers are on but because this is a virtual interface you lose some of that that's right you've got to use your thumb and your your first finger as a pinching device that's what you're grabbing and you're you're manipulating using a pinching motion and so when if you don't pinch just the right way or the right thing now you're grabbing something else and then you got to un back out and you got to start over again Another problem is that there's just not a whole lot of apps available yet. This is not like all of the apps on your iPhone are going to work on this. It does not translate over yet. Now, at some point they may, but for now, there's not many apps that'll do the things that you want to do. And so you're kind of limited. Yeah. And I think a really good comparison is against something like the MetaQuest 3, 
which used to be the Oculus uh, device. Meta bought out Oculus, but that device is much cheaper. It's somewhere near $1,000, and it knows what it is. It's pretty much a gaming headset that games are a lot of the, the strongest, best-performing apps on that piece of hardware, which really take advantage of everything, and that's, that's, that's what it is. And it feels like Apple doesn't yet know what the Vision Pro is going to be. Is it going to be a piece of entertainment hardware? Is it going to be a work computer? Is it trying to be everything? Why am I going to buy it? Whenever I buy it, what am I buying it for? And right now the answer is you're buying it just to be an early adopter because it doesn't quite do anything great yet. The one thing that was very common was they talked about how beautiful the display was, how amazing the display was. It was just great visually to look at whatever it is that you're, you've got on the screen there in front of you. And that's wonderful if all you want to see is just what's right there. If you're trying to work through a whole lot of complex issues or complex things like you would do on a computer screen, it's not there yet. Yeah, and I think that, that again, a lot of the things people were very complimentary of the hardware, that this is a very impressive piece of hardware. It truly is an engineering marvel. The fact that it works so well at all, it is much, much better than any of the competitors. I mean, you're, it's much more, more expensive than any of its competitors. And so the app really has done something here. But I, I think you're getting up against a lot of the limitations of this type of device in the first place. And I think one of the things that I, I'm seeing in a lot of the feedback about people talking about it is the, your ability to implement a whole bunch of screens. And while, yes, this can be really cool to have multiple windows open at once, this we also have to think about what this is doing to us. And this is not really something pointed directly at the Apple Vision Pro, but it kind of also is. Right now, I'm limited with the number of windows and screens to physical screens. I have to have a TV or a phone or a computer, but if I can just have... 20 windows which are basically screens and each one of them have stuff going i have my email open and i have a youtube video open and i have this open and i have that open and i have a spreadsheet and they're all open at the same time that's too much stuff we are frying our ability to pay attention and our attention spans are absolutely shriveling and this just seems like a, a way to supercharge that and i don't know what to do about it. Like a lot of things we have uh, over the years not been encouraging people to go out and be the very first to buy, to get into the technology. You've got the bleeding edge, the cutting edge, the edge, and the handle. Well, this is still bleeding edge because there's a problem right now with some of the passcodes that once you get that, that device and you put in your six-digit code, if it forgets a, or doesn't remember your code, You've got to take the device all the way back to an Apple store to get it back in. There's not a USB-C port for you to plug in and reset anything. So you've just bought this $3,500 to $5,000 worth of hardware that could very easily brick itself and you not be able to do anything with it because it's so new. I definitely think that this is something wherever in the future I might consider one of these. 
two years from now, five years from now, what does generation three look like? What does generation five look like? That's something that maybe I would consider, but generation one just has too much stuff. That's still too raw. And you also have people who are using it in ways that they really probably shouldn't be. There's videos of people driving down the highway, wearing it and spoiler alert. Don't do that. The fact that, Apple had to put out a a video and Tesla had to put out a video and headlines telling people don't drive your Teslas with your Apple Vision Pro on your head when both companies are telling your users don't do that. Oh, my God, you're just really being an idiot now. Yeah, there's there's just a lot of potential abuse cases for this. And I am curious to see what the the social culture around it develops into. Whenever people had the Google glasses, those were kind of looked down upon. They, they were very much shamed and it was not something that was cool publicly. And I'm curious to see, does, does the Vision Pro device, is it something that's, oh, futuristic? Or is it, look at that nerd walking down the street? Well, right now it's, it's. Oh, look, I've got $5,000 to drop on some cool Apple hardware. I think it's silly. Yeah, it, it's definitely, it's not quite there yet. I, I very much think that in the future, this could be a fascinating piece of hardware. But also there are just some inherent limitations to to the design. It's not just, oh, well, if they had spent six more months or oh, if they just used a better piece of hardware, they could have fixed it. There are some things which just seem to be part of this that I don't know that you could engineer your way out of. And I'm really curious to see what do they have to change in the future? Do they actually implement a true pass-through where it is just a piece of glass that they are projecting onto? Or do they keep that that screen which is actually separating you from the real world? I don't know. I, I th- Apple, to me, seems like they're going to want to keep projecting they're not going to do the true pass through once I, I don't think that that's Microsoft did that with the HoloLens. Apple's got to do their own way, their thing. I, I got to believe that they're going to, they're going to hold to this. If things are going to change, things always get smaller, faster, better. And you're right. Generation five is going to be so much more amazing than what it is now. I just think this is just too soon. It's half-baked. And yes, like the Wall Street Journal said, this is is a first-generation product, and it feels like a first-generation product. I think one of the things which, in my opinion, might actually solve a lot of these issues and would be generations down the road is that you have a, a computer, like a full, you know, box which sits on the ground nearby, and then everything's just wirelessly transmitted to the headset. And that now all of a sudden you're taking a lot of the load off the headset, or, or you're just doing something wherever, as long as you're, you know, nearby that device, because it's, the Vision Pro doesn't seem to be a device you're supposed to, to take on the road with you. You're not supposed to take it for a walk around the neighborhood. You're supposed to be in your house with it. And so much like your computer's in your house, well, just be near that device. And that device does all the computations and you just stream it via Wi-Fi 7 or Wi-Fi 8, whichever one is the, the one that we're on at that point in time. 
there's a lot of low latency in there. You can do a whole lot more with it. That might be the thing which I think unlocks a lot of this stuff. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.